morning, Peter uh, texted me and asked me if I wanted to preach uh, tonight and share something uh, that God was laying on my heart. Um, I must admit that I have a that I had a bit of a Moses moment, and you know, immediately I said, "Me? What have I got to say?" And then God quickly reminded me um, that he is working uh, continually uh, in my life, in our life, if we, will, uh, if we will just look up to him and, and pay attention to what he's trying to teach us. So um, I'm so grateful uh, as well for the... Uh, the preaching of Peter, Pastor Peter, James, uh, Calvin Todd, and, and all of the others that uh, preach here. And uh, it's humbling to, to even be up here. And um, I'm hopeful that uh, we can all get at least a little snack tonight that will satisfy the hunger for our souls. But before... Um, before we go any further, um, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be here with us. Dear Lord, thank you, Lord, um, that you are a God, a relational God that wants uh, to be in relationship with us. Uh, you continue, Lord, to seek after us, Lord, to uh, come after us, Lord. We didn't choose you, you chose us. And we thank you for that. Um, Lord, we don't always understand. We don't always readily answer the call. But soften our hearts. Give us hearts, Lord, that want, would want to trust and obey you. We ask now that you would speak to each person here, Lord God, each soul. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I put Kelvin Todd up to it, and I'll apologize now uh, to read the whole book of, of James. I am going to focus mainly on uh, uh, the second verse. Um, the title of the message is Greet Your Trials with Smiles. And that's based on the verse again, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Um, so it seems illogical to the human mind to count it all joy when we fall into uh, temptation and, and trials um, from an earthly perspective. It's also counter to our human nature. Um, to enjoy falling into trials and temptations. It just doesn't go uh, with our flesh that wants to fight against that. I know from my own life, I've wasted many hours trying to, uh, precious time, hoping many times my trials 
and temptations would go away. And um, it's interesting. Um, God obviously has a uh, sense of humor. Um, so we do want sometimes want to get rid of our trials. And I'll just share with you some of the stories that maybe uh, you even have your own stories that are similar, stories that I've concocted in my mind. But you might have your own that you're the, uh, in the leading role as well in those stories. You know the story about the husband who said, um, God, I'd be, I'd be a great husband if it weren't for my wife, or but for my wife. Or the wife that would say, Lord, I'd be a great wife, uh, but for my husband. Or put any, any relationship in there, right? All relationships. Um, the coach that said, man, I'd be, I'd be undefeated if it weren't for my players. Or the boss that says, you know, I'd be, I'd be the best boss ever if it weren't for my employees. I think we all could, um, we all could relate to that at times where we feel, um, you know, probably out of our own inadequacy, we, we want our uh, trials and our temptations to go away. All kidding aside, however, we do understand that re relationships can get difficult and overwhelming. Um, let's see if we have any other ways out of this struggle that we, that we might uh, try. How we seek to avoid our trials and our temptations. We know as Christians that God is a God of detail. Um, we see it in the stories Kelvin Todd shared this morning, uh, stories from Second Samuel about details that uh, talking about years of not addressing, not addressing um, issues, and. Um, God is in the details. He, he lets those details be written so that they can prick our heart and get our attention. We see it worked out in our lives, how important just order is in our lives, the details of order. We see it in how God answers prayer, right? He's, he's very interested in the details. Um, and we see it in his word, how he's crafted his word. And um, so let's go back to the, the verse that um, I'm going to focus on tonight. And that verse, again, is, Count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. So I looked up the word temptations there. In the Greek, it's a 
putting the proof by experiment or experience, um, and by implication, it, it means adversity, right? So we don't always welcome adversity, human nature. However, I'm going to point out one more uh, detail that God put in that verse. I wonder if any of us have ever wanted to edit the Bible in one way or shape. We know it's a foolish endeavor, but um, there's a three-letter word in that verse, all, that I think maybe at times we would want to... Um, Say, sometimes, you know, sometimes I don't feel like being joyful. Sometimes I don't feel like, um, you know, seeking God, uh, asking God for comfort and, and peace. And um, so we, we trial and error it, right? We, uh, we don't always uh, enter in with joy, though that's, the commandment here that that God is uh, calling us to. So I said it's a foolish endeavor. So um, if it's okay with you, I'm going to agree with God to move ahead so he can teach us a better way. So my first point of, uh, of the message is the commandment. And then we're going to talk about, secondly, the crucible. And then finally, the crown. So the commandment... Um, we know that God speaks to us um, through commands, and um, we all have experienced uh, the power of his word. Um, God's word is the only God-breathed book that we have from God. Um, it's our lifeblood to all of our relationships. Uh, listen to what Paul tells Timothy and all who will heed the truth in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, starting at verse 16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And then if we look back at verse 15, Paul states that to Timothy, he says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. The, the thing that struck me there, reading, reading those verses, was that that vertical relationship with God 
something I already, already knew, but through Jesus Christ, who we know is called the Logos, or the Word of God, it's the one relationship. That vertical relationship is the relationship that governs and guides through the Holy Spirit every one of our other horizontal relationships. That will tell us a little bit about the importance of, of God's Word. What else does God's Word do? It exposes areas of deception in our lives, including evil thoughts, attitudes, and motives. The writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It lays us wide open. It, it cuts through. It, uh, it doesn't always feel good, but where would we be? And, and we are so privileged living in this generation to have the Word of God. And then one other thing that the Word of God does for us. It will change us if we yield to it. This will produce better relationships in our lives that are based on integrity. Just like Christ who's called the Word of God or the Logos has perfect integrity. 2 Timothy 3.17 says the reason that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now we're going to talk about the, the way that God has. And sometimes this is what we struggle with. Um, has anyone else experienced that the way God has called us to is a hard way? I think we all have uh, testimony to that. Um, Scripture speaks much of trials, conflict, tribulation, persecution, and suffering for the believer. It doesn't sound um, it doesn't sound like something uh, that should be gone into uh, very quickly. In fact, I remember um, we would when we used to go out. Uh, we, we used to use the evangelism explosion back uh, a long time ago here at the church. And, um, you know, one of the main things of that was to help people uh, not only understand, you know, who God is, but to count the cost of what they were, the choice that they were making. Um, to not just parrot a prayer or... Um, to follow somebody else, but to make that their own individual choice. 
really should not be so cut off uh, guard when these things come upon us. If we will trust God and take him at his word, he has always been honest and transparent as he speaks through his servants about the Christian life or the path of a disciple. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Christ himself said in the Gospel of John, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And then, the wisdom of God. Right in our text in James chapter 1, starting at verse 5, it says that we need wisdom. Wisdom is the skill or the art of applying knowledge. Scripture also tells us that just having scriptural knowledge in and of, in and of itself says that we will it'll puff up a man and lead to pride. Um, God is the source of our wisdom. It tells us, I'll read the verse in just a moment, but um, we must ask God for wisdom. It says in verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So thankfully, God is, is a generous God when we ask. He will not, he'll give liberally and he will not hold back. Now, our, our role in that is to ask in faith. Verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If we don't ask in faith, faith I think by definition we're trusting in ourselves or in someone else or in something else. And what the Bible calls that is, is double-mindedness. And now we'll talk about the crucible. A crucible is defined as a pot for refining ore or metals designed not to melt them 
but to soften them to be able to be formed. So I thought that was very interesting um, because it's the crucible that we sometimes dread. And, um, but God's purpose, I think, is different than sometimes what we think uh, with the crucible. He knows what's best for us. In the crucible, um, what we have is we have uh, chemicals. And so one point about the crucible is there's friction. And friction is where light is emitted and energy energy is increased. So through the crucible, um, God will give us, uh, he will be able to use us um, and to be light. And also that energy, that, that heat that's in the crucible can be used by God to make us into what we, he wants us to be. One thing we know that God wants us to be is, and, and God himself is, he's a God of, um, of action, love. He's a God of love, and love is, is in action. So I'm going to read from what it talks about how we should be active for God in the goal of the, of the crucible. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So God wants us to act in faith, um, even, even when we do not uh, want to. So the crucible is designed to help us to um, yield to God. When we get that pressure and overwhelming uh, feeling that this is too much for us to handle, uh, many times, I'm sure this has happened for you, but many times that's when, you know, we don't cry out to God right away. It's when things get stressful. Um, and then the familiarity, as I read earlier, um, all who will live godly will suffer persecution. We're in good company 
And a little bit later, I'm going to, I love hearing the stories of the heroes of the faith because sometimes a perfect God is hard to relate to sometimes. Um, but we all know people that we have seen uh, in the crucible and they have responded as God said and, and they lived or, or do live uh, lives of blessing. Um, and then the favor, God's favor to the disciple in the crucible. The one thing you will do is, it says in Philippians, to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I can attest to that. I have gotten to know God way more um, in the valley than I probably have on the mountaintop. And um, it's, it's then where we see our need for God and we reach out to him. But this, that verse is, uh, just testifies of, again, what the, uh, the crucible is about, uh, not designed to break us, but designed to get to know God more, to come into a deeper fellowship with him, to understand what he did for us, to motivate us to move out in love for others. And finally, the crown. I think the one thing that strikes me about the crown is it's not about being perfect, but it's about letting a perfect and faithful God perfect me. And he's so gentle. He's so um, merciful. And so it's a it's a it's a trial and error. It's a it's a getting up, falling down, and getting up again. Um, I'm just going to give an illustration here. Um, to many of you know that I'm a, I'm a baseball umpire on the on the side, and um, but I, I so enjoy it. I so enjoy mentoring uh, young people, and the thing that I like about it it mirrors in many ways it mirrors the Christian life. Um, it's a crucible, um, but when when you learn um, the things that you learn in umpiring, for instance, that when you come, uh, 
the more you experience it and the more you um, gain wisdom, just like you need wisdom um, from God, things that I do now to be successful in, uh, in umpiring that I, that I never knew, um, that if I would have, you know, if I would have fallen down at first, and if I would have refused to get up, um, I would not have the blessing that I have uh, now of actually enjoying it and not being afraid of conflict. When I was young, I, I hated conflict. Uh, there was conflict in our house. Um, and so I, I, I tried to avoid it at all costs. But then... Um, I had a coach that told me uh, I was just minding my own business, sitting. Uh, I was going to keep book for my friend. Uh, he was coaching his younger brother, minding my own business. And our coach, Joe, who ran the league, um, I was too old to play in the league, so... It was for through sixth grade, and um, I had never umpired before. My coach comes over and he hands me a brush and a and an indicator, and I said, I just kind of looked around. I thought maybe he was distracted and he was really trying to hand it to somebody else. And he said, Schulte, field two. See, I don't think there's another Schulte here. I said, Joe, I've never umpired a game in my life. And he said, no, I know. Um, but you know the game. Now get down there to field two. They're waiting for you. And uh, 48 years later, the rest is history. Now I, I love it. I love to mentor uh, young men, some young women. Um, in umpiring, but I, I, th I think now if I would have just refused, you know, somebody showed confidence in me that, um, that I could do this, confidence that I didn't have, but that confidence that he showed gave me confidence, um, much like our faithful God who why, I ask sometimes, does he show confidence in me or give me the responsibility that he gives me? But, um, but he does, and he continues to be faithful. And every time I fall down, um, he, he's right there to pick me up, tell me to get up, and, you know, that good things, good things are going to happen. So, the thing about the crown, another thing about the crown is, um, and which I think is really hard for younger generations right now, um, because it definitely has to do with delayed gratification. Um, you know, many, many people 
now, and I, and I won't even just put young people, but many people now want to um, have get the most for the least, or um, you know, it it just seems like it's um, with feeling like we're entitled to things, um, but you know. We can look at it like all oh, this horrible generation, um, but really they're they're deceived, you know. And and God just like just like He is faithful with us and He is merciful and and works with us. And and just like um, I shared that coach that I had, um, you know, He could have gotten down on me. He could have made some some remark, but um, I took it 100% as he had confidence in me. Um, the prudence of the crown. The crown is prudent. It talked a little bit about, in James here, about the blessing. And um, we know all the blessings. Um, I think of uh, Psalm 1 as, as a good psalm of kind of going through the crucible, but seeing the, seeing the blessing on the other side of avoiding, you know, the world and its allurements. And, um, but then the promise of being like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Um, so that's part of what gives us the, how God sticks with us, that's part of what gives us the ability to move forward, to continue. Um, His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Those are great promises. Um, and finally, the purpose. The purpose of the crown is very simply, which I... So what, this is one thing I never knew when before I was saved. I remember, and um, that was so fitting to why why God was uh, worthy of my life and my praise and and to be glorified. But the fact that, as it talks in Revelation, that to those that hear, well done, and thou good and faithful servant. They're not going to take it like a pat on the back, like this is some great thing that I've accomplished. But those crowns are going to be cast at our Lord's feet once again to glorify the one who isn't impressed with our goodness, 
doesn't expect us to be 100% faithful all the time, but that we trusted in the only true and faithful one, God himself. I told you that I really enjoy the stories of the heroes of faith. I'm going to share about one hero of faith in particular that has been very, uh, has spoken volumes to me, his life. And that is uh, a certain humble uh, Bohemian priest that was born in the latter part of the 14th century, uh, named John Huss. And he was, um, yeah, he was born in like the 1370s. And, you know, this was a time where, um, of Wycliffe, kind of the, the morning star, if you will, before the Ref Reformation, about a hundred years before, a little more than a hundred years before. But um, he entered a, a monastery when he was 10 years old, and his teachers were very impressed with his, uh, with his study and, and with his devotion to God, the, the ferocity with which he um, went after studying the scriptures. And so they, they uh, sent him to, or they encouraged him to go to Prague, which he did, so he would be availed to uh, much more uh, teaching and um, to the library in, in Prague. And then he entered uh, the University of, of Prague, and in 1393, he got his, uh, his BA degree, and then in 1396, he got his, his uh, master's degree. I can't even imagine how many people had master's degrees back then, but didn't know there was master's programs. But he was a he was a humble man, and uh, and he sought uh, God out, and and sought to honor God uh, through His Word as much as he possibly could. He was ordained. He was ordained a uh, Catholic priest, and he. He openly um, taught against many of what the Catholic Church um, was teaching, such as the infallibility of the Pope, um, the selling of indulgences to absolve people from uh, past sin, and 
to buy their way out of purgatory after death. And uh, even to the point where from the pulpit he would preach against the uh, immorality of the, um, the clergy, the bishops, and even, uh, even the, the pope himself. Um, so he went through uh, he, they called him to uh, Constance the con convention at Constance I think it was in 14, uh, 1414 or early 1415 and they promised him uh, safety and then immediately when he got there he was arrested and um, they never really gave him an opportunity to to share what um, or even to, to prove that he was preaching in error of the scriptures he realized you know somewhere in there that um, he had to make a choice and um, whether he could trust uh, the one that is faithful. He knew his, that he was naked and blind and not good in and of himself. But he ended up uh, being burned at the stake uh, July 6th, 1415. But the thing that um, struck me again was he walked to the stake. They tied him or they chained him to a pole and they had I mean, I wasn't there <laughs> but um they lit the match, and as, as he was preparing, and he started to sing. And um, so it's, it's very humbling, very convicting. Uh, his life is to me. And, um, but I'll just ask us again, uh, as I believe that the question that John Huss was confronted with, um, are you trusting in your own goodness or are you trusting the faithful one that will never leave you or forsake you?